Today, the other Twitter files, the ones you haven't heard about. It's a deep dive Monday on the special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 300 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show from Monday, December 12th, 2022. We're excited. We're at 428,000 downloads since we started this thing 300 episodes ago. And we're looking forward to getting to half a million before too long. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Okay, before we get to the Twitter files, which detail how the government and big tech colluded to rig the presidential election of 2020 and violate the First Amendment right to free speech for millions of Americans. First, I have to share with you the other Twitter files, the ones no one is talking about. Today, within the last 24 hours, Elon Musk recommended people on Twitter follow an account I'd never heard of before called the Rabbit Hole. So I did. And boy, was that an appropriate name. I started looking at the Rabbit Hole's timeline and wound up going down the Rabbit Hole myself. In the process, I discovered an article in Psychology Today entitled The Other Twitter Files. It's written by a psychologist Dr. Pamela Pereski. The subtitle of the article says, Twitter is providing a haven for self-harm. So get a grip, because this one is really rough. Okay, first it has three bullet points. It says, key points, journalists are exposing Twitter's politically biased and capricious content moderation protocols, but self-harm content continues unabated. That's troubling. Second of three bullet points, Twitter stifled criticism of the platform for not enforcing its prohibition on self-harm while ignoring self-harm posts. Why am I not surprised? And the third bullet point, Key points of the article on the other Twitter files, nearly 25% of girls 12 to 16 years old are intentionally injuring themselves, mostly with knives and razor blades. They need help, not a platform. Indeed they do. God bless them. So Dr. Pamela B. Pereski, Ph.D., psychologist, says when Twitter was busy interfering with the libs of TikTok account, it was largely ignoring the increase in graphic images and videos of young people cutting themselves, sometimes so deeply their wounds required visits to the emergency room. Journalists are now exposing Twitter's politically biased and capricious content moderation protocols. But while Twitter personnel were censoring ideas and deplatforming 
people they didn't like, the platform was paying virtually no attention to the self-harm its younger users were posting and encouraging. In October 2021, a UK-based children's digital rights charity called Five Rights reported that Twitter and other platforms were systematically endangering children online by facilitating children's ability to connect with others celebrating self-harm. Specifically, Twitter's algorithmic recommendation system was steering accounts with child-aged avatars searching the words self-harm to Twitter users who were sharing photographs and videos of cutting themselves. So this organization in the U.K., Five Rights, told Twitter about specific self-harm search terms, hashtags like SHTWT, Ouchie TWT, and Slicey Tweet. Despite Twitter being fully informed, she says in August of 2022, my colleagues and I at the Network Contagion Research Institute, NCRI, found a 500% increase in average mentions of SHTWT, the global search term standing for self-harm Twitter, along with increases in other search terms that help people find graphic and bloody self-harm images, creating a virtual community of self-harmers. She says, we published a paper featured in a Washington Post article on August 30th exposing some of the code words that self-harmers use on Twitter to find one another, including SHTWT for self-harm Twitter. She says, we illustrated the increase in the number of accounts posting graphic self-harm images and videos, specifically cutting And we noted the celebratory comments on such tweets. These tweets and the comments on them that encourage self-harm are all in direct violation of Twitter's content policy. And the images and comments are easy to find. As we wrote in our report, terms associated with Layers of skin, such as S-T-Y-R-O-T-W-T, B-E-A-N-S-T-W-T, Laffy Taffy T-W-T, and others are mentioned thousands of times per month, allowing users to gamify and market self-harm, wounds associated with B-E-A-N-S-T-W-T tweets referring to the subcutaneous layer, are extremely severe and are often the tweets and images most liked and shared on Twitter. As a result of our report and the Washington Post article, Twitter began displaying a helpline, one of those toll-free lines, with a 988 at the start. Not a 1-800, not a 1888, a 9888 helpline at the top of search results when people used SHTWT for self-harm Twitter. But the self-harm tweets still appeared immediately below this 988 helpline. Worse, shortly after the helpline began appearing in SHTWT searches, 988TWT became the new popular self-harm search term, tweeted hundreds of times per hour to tag horrific self-harm posts. On October 3rd, this year, she says, I criticize Twitter for how it deals with self-harm 
specifically that Twitter does not enforce its gratuitous gore policy for self-harm images, nor does it enforce its policy of prohibiting tweets that promote or encourage suicide or self-harm. To illustrate how easy Twitter makes it to find posts with extremely graphic images and videos depicting severe health self-harm cutting, she says, I tweeted a screenshot of an horrific self-harm post cutting and some of the self-harm code words contained in the tweet, including 988TWT. She says, I also tweeted two of the encouraging comments on that post, and she says, I wrote a cursory search for terms like SHTWT, B-E-A-N-S-T-W-T, F-A-S-C-I-A-T-W-T, Blood TWT, etc., turns up graphic images of self-harm and delighted responses, encouraging more. And I said, images and comments below are extremely disturbing. Keep your children off social media. In response, she says, Twitter locked me out of my account, Pamela Pereski, claiming I violated the same gratuitous gore policy I criticized them for not taking seriously. Meanwhile, the gratuitously gory tweet I screen-capped remained accessible and continued to contribute to the spread and increasing severity of self-harming behaviors. She says, soon after I was locked out, my NCRI colleague Alex Goldenberg looked to see if the original self-harm tweet was still up. It was. And then Twitter suggested to him another self-harm tweet. You might like this one, too. A comment on that tweet even included instructions for how to make a common disposable razor more easy to handle for self-cutting. She says, two days after my lockout, the stats of the original post I was locked out for screen capping and sharing were posted by the account holder. At that time, it had been up for one week. It had 2,240 likes, 287 retweets, and 67,332 impressions. In other words, it was seen a total of 67,332 times within a week. As we reported in our NCRI paper, self-harm posts can garner thousands of likes, hundreds of retweets, and dozens of admiring comments, including many with questions about how to duplicate the self-harm. For instance, what did you use? Even when coming from accounts that have only a few hundred followers. My first appeal to Twitter she says, to let me back into my account, was quickly denied. Several more tries elicited no response until more than 10 days later when I received confirmation that my newest appeal had been received. The option of deleting the tweet in order to access my account was always available with a caveat that by clicking delete, you acknowledge that your tweet violated the Twitter rules. She says, I was not willing to falsely confess to having violated Twitter's rules and risk having additional problems in the future. She says, on October 16th, I wrote a version of this article, which Wesley Yang published on his Substack, and several high-profile Twitter users circulated. Twitter never notified me about the results of the appeal, but within hours of the article being published, my account was unlocked. Nearly a quarter of girls between 12 and 16 years old are intentionally injuring themselves, mostly with knives and razor blades. The rate is even higher among teens from upper-middle-class, highly educated families. Those who self-harm are six times more likely to be hospitalized for mental illness 
than those who don't and more than four times as likely to attempt suicide. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, suicide is now the second leading cause of death among children 10 to 14 years old and the third leading cause of death among those 15 to 24 years old. She says, after reading my article, writer Christina Buttons tried out some of the code words on Twitter and came across an image of a girl who had sliced into her arm in a school bathroom. Christina did some sleuthing, and based on what she saw in the background of the photo, was able to identify the school and alert school personnel. While attention is rightly focused on Twitter's political bias and related questionable content moderation, let's hope there is some attention paid to helping Twitter's young users by enforcing prohibitions on posting and celebrating images of self-harm. Young people who intentionally harm themselves need help, not a platform. Now that very troubling, heartbreaking article is over at Psychology Today and it's entitled The Other Twitter Files, subtitled Twitter is Providing a Haven for Self-Harm. The author is Pamela Paresky, Ph.D., a visiting fellow at the Johns Hopkins SNF Agora Institute, a senior scholar at the Network Contagion Research Institute, and the author of the guided journal A Year of Kindness. Dr. Paresky's opinions are, of course, her own, should not be considered official Positions of any organization with which she's affiliated, isn't it a crying shame that they have to print that disclaimer? This opinion should be everybody's opinion. Anyway, you can follow her on Twitter, Pamela Paresky, at Pamela Paresky, P A R E S K Y. You can read a newsletter at paresky.substack.com. But I'm just. So, look, when I found the tweet, I did a quote tweet on it, and I said a heartbreaking, maddening article. The other Twitter files are so important. I said, Elon Musk, please address this. God bless Pamela Paresky for caring enough to try to do something about this horror Hashtag do unto others, and I did a carbon copy to the rabbit hole in case he sees it. And that was at 3.16 a.m. Central Time. And uh, she responded. She responded in less than a half hour. What about, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I got my math goofed up. She responded like 36 minutes later. And as bad as the article was, uh, wait till I tell you how she responded. Uh, I'm just... God bless her for trying to do something to help save these kids. Yeah, that, look... Coming up, we're going to get to the Twitter files everybody's talking about, including a lot of people aren't on Twitter because they realize how horrible the feds colluding with social media to violate your First Amendment rights, free speech, how horrible that is. That's coming up. But uh, I got to, before we do that, I got to tell you how she responded to me trying to call Elon Musk's attention to her article. Okay, so that's coming up too. All right, now, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership 
in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me tell you about America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. So if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business now. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call the 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. And again, be sure you use the promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patreonmobile.com, or just call them at 469-FREEDOM. All right, so I shared with you this heartbreaking article by Dr. Pamela Pereski over at Psychology Today, the other Twitter files. Twitter's providing a haven for self-harm. And I tweeted about it, and 36 minutes later, Dr. Pereski herself sent a tweet from a couple of hours earlier warning very graphic screen video of self-harm tweets currently on Twitter. All I did was search 988, the helpline number, and scroll through what appeared. She says, If Twitter safety wants to do something meaningful about Twitter users' actual safety, it could start here. And then down below it says, Content warning, sensitive content. The tweet author flagged this tweet as showing sensitive content. And I clicked on the little button that says show. And 
I mean, less than 10 seconds into it, I, 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 I'm seeing video of like middle school age girls slicing their arms and pouring blood. And I just, I just, I, I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I, um, I tweeted to Dr. Pereski. I said, thank you for all you do. I'm about to read your article on my podcast. And then I said, I tried to watch it. I couldn't get more than a few seconds into it. It made me weak in the knees. I'm so sorry. Twitter support wouldn't do anything to protect these children. Elon Musk, please listen to Pamela Pereski. So um, I hope he does. I don't know how he decides, you know, I'm sure he's getting millions of tweets every day. I don't know what gets through to him and what doesn't. But then, but then, but then, she says, and hey, Twitter, she said, what the blank is this? Twitter safety, what happened to prohibiting posts encouraging gratuitous gore? Parents, keep your kids off social media. And it's a tweet with high school-aged Chinese girls all dressed in school uniforms. Very pretty. High school-aged Chinese girls dressed in school uniforms. Each one of them has a razor, and they're slicing their wrists and acting like, oh, we're having so, so much fun here. And she's like, you know, this violates your terms of service, Twitter. How come this is still up? What's going on here? Uh, I I wish I knew. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. Have you heard of this guy, Yoel Roth? He was in charge of, uh, I believe, content moderation, wasn't he? He was a guy that was... Uh, wasn't he responsible for banning people who used the term groomer? And then when you go back and you look at some of his former tweets, he comes off looking like a groomer himself. So it's not surprising to me that his team just ignored a video of teenage girls cutting themselves. Even though it totally, totally violated their written policy. Not surprised at all. You know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, that Elon Musk fired this guy. And, of course, now CNN. Oh, CNN is... Is reporting, oh, this guy's in big trouble. Yeah, I had it just a minute ago. Yeah, CNN, they go out there on Twitter. Former top Twitter official forced to leave home due to threats amid Twitter files. Twitter's former head of trust and safety has fled his home due to an escalation in threats resulting from Elon Musk's campaign of criticism against him. And then it cuts it off before you get to the part that says, a person familiar with the matter told CNN on Monday. In other words, the whole thing could be made up. Yoel Roth, who resigned from the social media company in November, has in recent weeks faced a storm of attacks and threats of violence following the release of the so-called Twitter files, internal Twitter communications that new owner Musk has released through journalists, including Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss. Now, you notice CNN does not say he claims that he's faced a storm of attacks. He claims he's received threats of violence. No, no, no. No, no. Since Yoel Roth is a liberal Democrat who's also a homosexual, self, 
identifying. And since CNN believes in intersectionality, so he's a victim group, he can do no wrong. So they take him at his word that he's receiving threats of violence. And they will not let you know that they're just taking him at his word. Roth's position involved him working on sensitive issues, including the suspension of then-President Donald Trump's account in 2021. On Monday, Barry Weiss, independent journalist Barry Weiss, posted a series of screenshots purported to show internal Twitter documents. Purported? Purported? She got them straight from Elon Musk. And they're saying purported. And then notice, they don't say Yoel Roth claimed he's receiving threats of violence. They say he is. But then they're saying, oh, who knows? They're implying maybe Barry Weiss is just making up the screenshots showing internal Twitter documents where Yoel Roth and others, others discuss whether to ban Trump's account with some employees questioning if the former president's tweets violated the platform's policies, which, by the way, they didn't. While Musk had initially been publicly supportive of Roth, that soon changed after he left the company. Well, no, wait a minute. I thought Musk fired him. Didn't Musk fire him? I thought he did. Are they? Am I wrong, or are they making this part up, too? Let me let me let me let me let me let me just check this real quick. I just typed in Musk fired Yoel. Let's see what comes up. Well, we have people claiming that he fired him. Um, I don't see any official um, announcement. Let's see, Washington Examiner. Let's see what they say. They finally found an article. Twitter official behind Hunter Biden laptop censorship leaving company. Yeah, but uh, um, voluntarily or what? Yoel Roth, the Twitter official who led Twitter's decision to censor the New York Post stories about Hunter Biden's laptop before the 2020 election, is leaving the company. Roth, Twitter's head of trust and safety, has left the company as of Thursday. Okay, this article is from November 10th. According to Axios, Roth was previously involved in Twitter's decision to censor the Hunter Biden story, but was kept on staff by Musk for the first two weeks of his company control. It's unclear why Roth is leaving. Okay. I bet he was fired. Roth operated as a social network's head of site integrity in 2020 when Twitter decided to restrict the sharing of a New York Post article about Hunter Biden's laptop belonging to, actually belonging to Hunter Biden. Twitter enforced the restriction based on so-called rumors from the intelligence community that Biden would be the target of a hack at least that's what Yoel Roth said during a September 2021 hearing before the Federal Election Commission. While many reporters claimed the story was false, reporting in March 2022 corroborated it. Well, no. Hold on. Your competitor, the New York Post, corroborated it in October of 2020. Anyway, Washington Examiner says Roth's departure comes a day after the Twitter executive joined Elon Musk in a Twitter Spaces call to address advertisers and their concerns about the platform's content moderation decisions. But CNN claims he left on his own, right? Based on what? I know. I can tell you based on what. Based on they're trying to paint as positive a picture of him as they can. 
because, as I said on a, a recent episode, well, you just quote George Carlin. There's a big club, and you ain't in it. So they look out for each other. CNN is looking out for Yoel Roth, just like George Stephanopoulos looked out for Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX. Same thing. Same thing. And, you know, for those who have ears to hear, if you pay attention, you'll learn to recognize it. That's what I'm trying to say up in here. If you pay attention, you'll learn to recognize it. All right. About time to get to the uh, Twitter files everybody's talking about and how they affected you, even if you're not on Twitter. Let me mention to you, though, you know, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic with so many little guys, small business owners, regular people being forced to close, right? The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. We now have over 30 different Patriot influencers on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with a woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made-in-America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Switchtoamerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to switchtoamerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn. All right, now I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. You having problems with sinuses and allergies? How about dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines even? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, and they've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. 
Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, see if they can help you. Go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says, Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, let's get to it, shall we? The Twitter files. Now, Elon Musk wanted to get the word out about a lot of the stuff that the former executives of Twitter have been lying about. And thus far, he has chosen three journalists to get the word out for him. The Twitter files have come out in five different tranches so far. And the first tranche came out the evening of December 2nd. Matt Taibbi, who for many years was a reporter for Rolling Stone magazine, and now he's an independent. And Barry Weiss was another one of the reporters. Washington Post lied about both of them, saying they're both conservative Journalists. No, actually, they lean left. But I guess maybe Elon Musk chose them because they're concerned about the First Amendment. Now, I shared something with you. I shared an, um, an article from TheIntercept.com a few weeks ago, which is an organization, it's a publication that leans left. But it was about big tech colluding with the federal government, and I, I, th- I believe one of the, um, I think one of the uh, writers of the article was a guy named Lee Yang, and he sa- uh, he said in a tweet, he was shocked because the left has always talked about how important freedom of speech is, but then when they see it associated with conservatives, all of a sudden they. Just out of the blue, they don't care about it anymore. He says, which just goes to show so many people on the left, or maybe even not on the left, say they have principles, but actually they're just tribal. Anyway, so I think it might have been a stroke of genius that um, Elon two of the three journalists that he chose to get the word about the Twitter files were actually noted liberals, even though the Washington Post is lying about them, saying they're conservatives. To kind of give context for this, I want to mention something the great David Reboy over on Twitter said. Politico refers to him as a... uh, right-wing Twitter pugilist. He's a fellow with the Claremont Institute. He said, everyone's obviously focused on Twitter, but let's not forget the bigger picture. Participation in public life to almost any degree now requires submission to the same types of unaccountable big tech star chambers with identical types of people making the same types of decisions. He says there are people at Apple and Google just like Yoel Roth, the guy that's no longer Twitter, and they can decide if your app can be used at their stores. At Amazon, they can take your site off the Internet. Google can remove you and all mention of you from searches, etc., etc. He continues... The ability to communicate freely on Twitter is an important beachhead in the fight. But it should wake more people up to the importance of freeing these choke points of modernity and working to ensure they're not held captive by ideological zealots. Yeah, I mean, it should. And I hope it will. But I just wanted to give you some context there. Okay, Matt Taibbi got the ball rolling 
at 5.30 p.m. Central Time, December 2nd, 2022. So December 2nd, this is like a Friday evening. You know, it was already way into dinner time on the East Coast. Talking about 6.34 Eastern on a Friday evening. Which is kind of fun because when you think about it, a lot of times when the government wants to do a a document dump that they feel like they have to do, they do it on a Friday night hoping everybody will miss it. Because back in the old days, nobody read the Saturday morning paper. And by Monday, you know, if you didn't hear about it over the weekend, it was a one and done. It was gone. Whereas these days, a lot of people actually get on social media on Friday evening. So it's kind of ironic. Friday evening is not necessarily a bad time to uh, start dropping stuff like this. Anyway, Matt Taibbi. Thread, the Twitter files. He says, what you're about to read is the first installment in a series based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. The Twitter files tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It is a Frankensteinian tale of a human-built mechanism grown out the control of its designer. Twitter, in its conception, was a brilliant tool for enabling instant mass communication, making a true real-time global conversation possible for the first time. In an early conception, Twitter more than lived up to its mission statement, giving people the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. As time progressed, however, the company was slowly forced to add those barriers. Some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters. Slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more use for these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, first a little, then more often, then constantly. By the year 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, The reply would come back, handled. Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. And he's got screenshots. He says both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However... The system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left, well, Democrats, than to the right. And there he's got a screenshot from Open Secrets, the Open Secrets website, showing that Folks working for Twitter contributed to, in the political contributions they made in 2018, over 96% went to Democrats. In 2020, 98.5% went to Democrats. 2022, 99.75% went to Democrats. So, I mean... You get the idea. The resulting slant in content moderation decisions is visible in the documents you're about to read. However, it's also the assessment of multiple current and former high-level executives. Okay, he says there was more throat clearing about the process 
But let's just jump forward. The Twitter files, part one, how and why Twitter blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story. So he's got he's got the link to the New York Post article, Smoking Gun Emails, reveals how Hunter Biden introduced Ukrainian businessman to his dad, the vice president. Oh, my goodness. And he says, on October 14, 2020, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases uh, such as child pornography. White House spokeswoman Kaylee McEnany was locked out of her own Twitter account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn, who seethed at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. That's strong, brother. He sent that to uh, some executives at Twitter. Screenshot there. This led public policy executive Caroline Strom of Twitter to send out a polite WTF query. Several employees noted that there was tension between the communications policy teams who had little or less control over moderation and the safety trust teams. So Caroline Strom writes, Hi team, are you able to take a closer look here? Thank you. Strom's note returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's hacked materials policy. Yep, that's what Elaine Ong Sato, operations analyst at Global Escalations Team, said. She said, thanks for reaching out to us, per checking. The user was bounced by site integrity for violating our hacked materials policy, adding them here for further insights and guidance. Now, Matt Taibbi says, although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks, there's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. In fact, that might have been the problem. The decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust, Vijaya God playing a key role. Did I say her name right? Vijaya Gad. They just freelanced it. It's how one former employee characterized the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold. But no one had the guts to reverse it. Matt Taibbi says, you can see the confusion in the following lengthy exchange, which which ends up including Vijaya Gad and former Trust and Safety Chief Yoel Roth. Communications official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. All right, so let's take a look at this, this screenshot. Um, October 14th, 2020, the day the New York Post story drops, New York Post, Hunter Biden laptop article, Privileged and Confidential. Our teams continue to investigate the origins of the material included in the reporting. Trenton Kennedy says, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe, and I think the best explainability argument for this externally would be that we're waiting to understand if this story is a result of hacked materials. We'll face hard questions on this, if we don't have some kind of solid reasoning for marking the link unsafe. And he copies a bunch of different people on this. One of them, Kate Rosbro, says, will we also mark similar stories as unsafe? And 
She links to a Fox News story, Hunter Biden emails Senate Homeland Security Committee investigating hard drive laptop. So the next thing Matt Taibbi says is, by this point, everyone knew this was blanked, said one former employee. But the response was essentially to err on the side of continuing to err. So we got another screenshot. Yoel Roth says, The policy basis is hacked materials, though, as discussed, this is an emerging situation where the facts remain unclear. Given the severe risks here and lessons of 2016, we're erring on the side of including a warning and preventing this content from being amplified. Virjaya Gad says, what is the warning that will come up? Yoel Roth says, when you click the link, you'll see the generic unsafe URL message, references spam, malware, violations of the Twitter rules. Not ideal, but it's the only thing we have. Ian Plunkett says, whatever we do in the communications, this will become a bias claim for Jack uh, pre-hearing immediately. Let's make it clear we're proactively but cautiously interpreting this through the lens of our hacked materials policy and allowing the link with a warning and significant reduction of spread. Now, you know, when Yoel Roth says, given the severe risks here and lessons of 2016, what he's saying is, what he's implying is, we've got to stop Trump. And we can't do anything that will get voters away from Biden. That's what he's saying, obviously. Next, former Vice President of Global Communications, Brandon Borman, asks, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? In other words, as part of our approach to addressing potentially hacked materials, we are limiting visibility of related stories on Twitter while our investigation is ongoing. To which Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker, remember Jim Baker? FBI Jim Baker, again, seems to advise staying the non-course because caution is warranted. Yeah, here's here's the screenshot. And he was the chief counsel for FBI. He says, I support the conclusion that we need more facts to assess whether the materials were hacked. He knew they weren't, by the way. At this stage, however, it's reasonable for us to assume that they may have been, and the caution is warranted. There are some facts that indicate that the materials may have been hacked. Yeah, he knew that was a lie. While there are others indicating that the computer was either abandoned or and or the owner consented to allow the repair shop to access it for at least some purposes, we simply need more information. Right. Matt Taibbi continues, a fundamental problem with tech companies and content moderation. Many people in charge of speech know slash care little about speech and have to be told the basics by outsiders. To wit, in one humorous exchange on day one, Democrat Congressman Ro Khanna reaches out to Vijaya Gad to gently suggest she hop on the phone to talk about the backlash regarding speech. Ro Khanna was the only Democrat official I could find in the files who expressed concern. Vajaya Gad replies quickly, immediately diving into the weeds of Twitter policy, completely, blissfully unaware that Congressman Ro Khanna is actually more concerned about the actual Bill of Rights, you know, Constitution. Ro Khanna tries to reroute the conversation to the First Amendment, mention of which is generally hard to find in the files. Within a day, head of public policy, Lauren Culbertson receives a ghastly letter slash report from Carl Jabo of the research firm NetChoice, which had already polled 12 members of Congress, nine Republicans, three Democrats, from the House Judiciary Committee to Representative Judy Chu's office. 
Amazing. So NetChoice lets Twitter know a bloodbath awaits in upcoming Hill hearings with members saying it's a tipping point, complaining that big tech has grown so big that they can't even regulate themselves, so government may need to intervene. Carl Jabo reports to Twitter that some figures on the Hill are characterizing the laptop story as Big Tech's Access Hollywood moment. Access Hollywood. Now, that was the video that Trump didn't know existed that came out of him uh, saying unseemly things about women to Billy Bush uh, video outtake from many years earlier that was released, uh, made him look real bad just a few weeks before the 2016 election. And even that didn't stop him from getting elected. You know, I almost wonder if maybe Hillary Clinton wasn't a good candidate. Anyway, Twitter files continued. The First Amendment isn't absolute. Jabo's letter contains chilling passages relaying Democrat lawmakers' attitudes. They want more moderation, and as for the Bill of Rights, it's not as for the Bill of Rights, it's not absolute, according to them. And they got a screenshot with that. Matt Taibbi says an amazing subplot of the Twitter Hunter Biden laptop affair was how much was done without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey and how long it took the situation to get, um, let's see, how's the polite way of saying it without using a four-letter word, how long it took for the situation to get unmessed up, as one ex-employee put it, even after Jack Dorsey jumped in. So then, almost four days later, as everybody's wondering, When's the second batch of Twitter files coming out? So then on December 6th, that's Tuesday afternoon, December 6th, 4.38 Eastern Time, Matt Taibbi all of a sudden says, thread Twitter files supplemental. He says, on Friday, the first installment of the Twitter files was published here. We expected to publish more over the weekend. Many wondered why there was a delay. He says, we can now tell you part of the reason why. On Tuesday, Twitter Deputy General Counsel and former FBI General Counsel Jim Baker was fired. Among the reasons? Vetting the first batch of Twitter files without knowledge of new management. The process for producing the Twitter files involved delivery to two journalists, Barry Weiss and me, via a lawyer close to new management. However, after the initial initial batch, things became complicated. Over the weekend, while we both dealt with obstacles to new searches, it was Barry Weiss who discovered that the person in charge of releasing the files was someone named Jim. When she called to ask Jim's last name, the answer came back, Jim Baker. Barry Weiss said, my jaw hit the floor. The first batch of files both reporters received was marked Spectra Baker emails. Okay? Matt Taibbi continues, Baker is a controversial figure. He has been something of a zealig of FBI controversies. That was a term from a Woody Allen movie, somebody who was always there when things happened. He has been something of a zealig of FBI controversies dating back to 2016 from the Steele dossier to the Alpha server mess. Talk about Alpha Bank, Russian Bank, in the middle of the Russia collusion hoax. He resigned in 2018 after an investigation into leaks to the press. The news that Baker was reviewing the Twitter files surprised everyone involved, to say the least. New Twitter chief Elon Musk acted quickly to exit Baker Tuesday. Reporters resumed searches through Twitter files material, a lot of it today, 
The next installment of the Twitter files will appear from Barry Weiss. Stay tuned. So that was on Tuesday, December 6th, that Matt Taibbi is having to announce why the holdup and that uh, Elon Musk had fired Jim Baker. So that is tranche. That, first of all, we dealt with um, the other Twitter files, the ones not related to the politics. All right. And then, then we dealt with uh, the first tranche or tranche of, um, of Twitter files from Matt Taibbi. And um, we've got, so far, there, there are five that have been released. So I guess what it looks like is we'll um, pick up where we left off with tranche number two and three coming up on the next episode of the Doc Washburn Show. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I guess, I guess it's about time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. So you heard about that uh, that cross-dresser, uh, Sam Brenton. Sam Brenton, the freak who had been hired by the Energy Department, the federal government, and put in charge of uh, disposing of our nuclear waste. And he's alleged to have stolen a woman's luggage in the Minneapolis airport, and then a couple of weeks later, alleged to have done the same thing in the Las Vegas airport, and now he's been fired. So our tweet of the day is from somebody just delightful who called himself twi- uh, Critter, K-R-I-T-T-R. I just don't know a thing about him. But his tweet of the day, brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, says, Sam Brenton out at DOE, just too much baggage. Ah! Ha! 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 See, there's a pun. It's a kind of play on words. Just too much baggage. So you, you get the... Uh, you get the yeah, okay. You've been listening to episode three hundred of the all new Doc Washburn show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is, Monday, December 12th, 2022.